1: You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Kuhn Cassis for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. Are you are you drunk right now? I've had a few tonight, yeah. My last night in Vegas, mate.
2: Just to put this into perspective, people, it's 125. AM in Vegas, and Coogan's been out at pool parties, all sorts. Yeah. So, yeah, you look like you, you haven't had much sleep, mate. So,
1: I'm leaving in the morning, so. Okay, well, listen, let's start with, um, I was watching it. To be honest, right, I've got a big up Joe Markowski because if you've got an account from the UK, you can't watch it in the US from a UK account, which I didn't know. You you can on
2: you can on your four G, <clears throat> but you can't on a international Wi Fi, for example.
1: Okay. So okay. I messaged Joe Markowski and he got his soup for me within five minutes. So oh well, okay. Big up Joe Markowski. Um let's just start from the kind of yeah, the, the main event. Um Liam Smith just too good for Anthony Fowler in the then?
2: Yeah, it was just it was a thrilling night to be honest with you, and <clears throat> I think the main event I, I, I after Cheeseman against Williamson I was just thinking how can you even get close to that and obviously we didn't see a a 10 or a 12 round war but we saw um, an 8 round war and it was a really interesting fight I thought I watched it back last night I thought Fowler started so well in the fight you know he. he I think he buzzed Liam Smith Liam Smith says he didn't but you know he, he started the fight really really well and what happened was I guess a, quite a popular prediction in that Liam Smith's world-class ability, his experience with telling the fight, he stayed calm early on and then he just kept forcing the pressure, started to walk him down. Uh, Fowler unraveled a little bit and it was a huge shot in the fifth round, counter right hand and Fowler did brilliant to get up but Liam Smith was just, yeah, he was he was too good for Anthony Fowler and I think he showed that, you know, I think it was a European level fighter at the moment against a world-class fighter and there's no shame in that but it was a brilliant fight. Amazing atmosphere, amazing night, amazing card, amazing production. It was a a really, it was a feel-good night, to be honest with you. And uh, congratulations to Liam Smith. He moves forward. And well done to Anthony Fowler. You know, he took up the challenge. I don't feel as though it had any negative effect on his career. In fact, I think it had a positive one. And he'll be involved in some big fights moving forward.
1: Obviously, the name of Jesse Vargas has been mentioned for Liam Smith for the last year and a half or so. But now... We know he was quite reluctant to take this fight at the start. He's told us a story about kind of when it was first put to him. But now that's out of the way, he, he wants to go back to kind of that Vargas level and those kind of fights.
2: Yeah, I just said to him, you know, he's very happy with us when we first suggested the Fowler fight because in his mind, he'd just beaten Kerbanov, really. But the fact is, he didn't get a decision in Russia. So I said to him, look, you're coming off a defeat. This is a massive domestic fight. I said, you haven't filled an arena like this in Liverpool before with, with a set-out crowd and Norris Fowler, and you've got a chance to do it together in a, in a great event. I think now, having experienced what he experienced with the profile of the fight, especially the ring walk and the atmosphere, I think he's glad he took it, and it was the right move for him. You know, If he believed he could win, he should have taken it, and that was the same for Fowler. So Jesse Vargas is a fight that's been building for a while. It's a really good fight. It's a 50-50 fight. Jesse Vargas needs to fight. He's coming off the Mikey Garcia defeat and we'll be looking to make that probably January, actually, of next year. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think that's going to be in Las Vegas or or in Liverpool. But really, really good fight. And I'm almost certain that's next now for Liam Smith.
1: An absolutely stunning fight between oh. uh, Cheeseman and, and Williamson. I think one of the, well, just in general, one of the best fights we've, we, we've ever seen. Um, but yeah, Cheeseman, I mean, it's hard to think Cheeseman's only 26 years old. He's huh. obviously been in some wars. But, I mean, how long can Cheeseman keep doing them kind of fights for, Ed?
2: Well, you know, you, you can't have too many fights like that. Is the same. And he has had a lot of fights like that. I liken his career a little bit to, to Sam Eginton's, in that, you know, you, you saw Sam go through loads of wars and then get stopped quite surprisingly. And a lot of people sort of said, well, I think he should pack it in now. And I think he's he was a similar age. And he kind of went back to the drawing board, just improved, seasoned a little bit. And actually, look, he's having another great run, although he had a brutal fight in his last fight. So I think with Ted, you know, Ted is a fantastic boxer. Yes, everyone loves him because he gives us fight-of-the-year contenders literally every single fight. But you're right, you know, how long do you want to be in fights like that? And, And really, you shouldn't be in wars every time you fight. That's not really the name of the game. But of course... Fans and broadcasters love it. So he's always going to get opportunities. Ted is also someone that has businesses outside of boxing. You know, he's managed to look after his money recently, you know, build the life for himself outside of the sport as well. But he's a, he's a boxer. If you ask him, what do you do? I'm a fighter. And in that in that respect, he'll want to be involved in big fights. I don't think, you know, we're not seeing that he's slowing down in the gym or he's just not, you know, he's he's shot or he doesn't have it anymore. We saw a good performance. I think he was a little bit flat, and we don't know why, but also, don't take anything away from Troy Williamson. He was unbelievable. I saw him on Sunday morning at breakfast, and I said, I've got to say, mate, I didn't think you had it in you. After the eighth round, or during the eighth round, Williamson looked like he was going. And then all of a sudden, Ted looked like he'd emptied his tank, and Williamson came on like a train in the, in the championship rounds. And that's, that's the sign of a quality fighter, because he hasn't been there before. The brutal finish... You know, horrible knockout. Um, and, you know, he'll, Ted will have a rest. He'll speak to Tony and, and decide what he wants to do. There's massive fights out there for Ted. You know, Fitzgerald, Fowler fight. Again, could be an some rematch. But, you know, you don't want to be in too many fights like that. But for Troy, he's in a great position now to move forward. And, um, you know, a, a big victory for him. Congratulations.
1: Um, Kieran Conway coming out on top uh, against JJ Metcalf,
2: yeah, it was a good fight. Didn't really catch fire how it could have done. Close fight. She had a few people moaning at me from Liverpool saying JJ won the fight. I watched it from the uh, commentary stand because so I was doing some stuff in there and um, the presentation stand, sorry. I guess it was tough to score. I think the general consensus is that Kieran Conway um, won that fight. And again, he's another one. Forgot his name in when I talked about the Cheeseman conversation. He's another one that's in that mix now, you know, and he's coming back off a. A defeat. He's put himself back in contention. He's ready to dive in against anyone. The other name I forgot to mention was Leraja, who's also a match and fighter. He'll defend his title in Spain in December, but then after that, he's he's there for, for all these guys to fight for for the European title. So, a good win and back on track for uh, Kieran Conway.
1: What a great win for Luke Willis against... Yeah, it was. I
2: mean, we had, you know, this was on the live stream before. We had Soldakers against Sokolowski. um we had Luke Willis against Ryland Charlton, we had Robbie Davis Jr. And then obviously went on to the main card with Metcalf and Courtney and, and, uh, and Peter McGraw who did great, etc. So good fight, Luke. Willis. I would have loved to seen that over 12 rounds because Ryland Charlton was starting to get hold of him. And you know, Luke had a cut and he was getting a little bit marked up, but he really won the fight in the first six or seven rounds. Sharp performance, good boxer. He's gonna to be tough to beat. And you know, Tony Bell you'll be taking him forward to to a shot at the British title.
1: Um, A very disappointing couple of days for Shannon Courtney. Um, Obviously, with the the Wayne situation, missing the weight, getting stripped of the title. And then, um, obviously, Jamie Mitchell uh, taking the belt back to the US. Um, Her reaction after the fight, and obviously from her post-fight interview, she believes she won the fight. Um, Can you see a case for her? No, not really. But I, I have to say something. I mean, and this
2: is, I'm not going to lie to you because it would be easy for me to lie because then I wouldn't get any stick. I actually thought it was really close. And after the fight, I was sitting there thinking, oh, I don't, don't really know who's going to get it here. Then I went on my phone and I know some people love her, some people don't like her, et cetera, But anyway, like pundits or fighters or, you know, respectable people who weren't biased had Mitchell winning unanimously, like not even close. I was like oh and then obviously the decision came and she looked surprised I have to watch the fight back because I was clearly wrong but you can't have 99% of people thinking that Jamie Witchell won the fight comfortably and then me thinking it was a draw I got it wrong but uh, on the night I'm not even saying it was a draw but I just had it close I didn't you know Shannon was landing a lot of big shots but Mitchell started well she was more accurate I don't know so it was disappointing for her and it was a disappointing couple of days I mean look I don't think anyone likes to make excuses. You, you could see on the night she has had a knee injury in camp. Um, she had her issues making weight. The whole thing was a bit of a disaster for her, to be honest with
1: you. Even been fighting Edith, really,
2: or that's up to them. You know, I don't. I'm not a doctor, but ultimately, herself and Adam Booth made the decision to fight. Should they have fought, fought? I don't know. But she missed weight. She lost her belt on the scales, and she lost the fight. So. Basically, couldn't have gone much worse for last week. Um, but you have to bounce back from it. The only good thing to come out of it is is that we have a new world champion rather than a vacant belt. Because I think if Shannon would have won, the belt goes vacant. She probably would have come back and fought for it again. Now, she will get a chance to fight for it again, but against Jamie Mitchell. And she's a big outsider in the fight. But if she wins, if she goes and beats Jamie Mitchell, then Congratulations. To her and she deserves to be world champion again
1: ed how does a rematch situation work then if you've been stripped to the title i don't understand that how does that work um
2: it's just within the contract the, the, a lot of rematch clauses, and i know we get stick for rematch clauses, but i think everybody who understands the business knows that when you fight you get an opportunity to fight out of nowhere for a vacant world title then the promoter will have options on you to put you in a further fight and in this case it is the rematch with Shannon Corny, regardless of the belts, actually. And, and that's an interesting one for people to understand about rematch clauses and you know, unified or mandatory superseding. Ultimately, rematch clauses supersede everything, contractually, um, in, in most cases. And governing bodies won't always agree with that. But this is just a simple case where, right now, um, Jamie Mitchell was plucked out of the world rankings was in no position you know no mandatory position to fight for a world title and a promoter would say you know you will do this fight and if you win there's a further option at you know much greater money than obviously you've just made for further fights and that further fight will be a Shannon Courtney rematch
1: so is it likely that Shannon will go straight into a rematch of her not immediately yeah. but
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah i believe so you know she's going to get that that knee fixed up and then it's, it's the only fight it's the only fight, and by the way, she'll be a, she'll be an underdog in the fight, I think. So, you know, maybe we do that fight in America, and then if she goes and wins, then she deserves she deserves her credit. But it was a disappointing weekend for her. There's no two ways about it. And you know, we know the comments about um, your menstrual cycle and stuff like that, which we, we don't really see discussed openly. And I think it's I think it's a good thing that it is discussed openly because it's a different challenge and. The WBC have a rule, I believe, and some commissions do, where there's actually a pound allowance for female fighters on Waynes. Um, but tough, kind of like, although we have to understand it, it's almost like tough, because no one's going to give you the sympathy. It's your job to make weight, and you didn't make weight. So, I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. And um, I'm sure, you know, we need to be more understanding in that situation, but ultimately, she missed weight, and that's that's not acceptable in the, in the sport and for, for for a professional. We know it's harder. We know sometimes it's out of your hand, but it happens and you have to take it on the chin. So tough.
1: Well, it was good to see shows back in Liverpool with the.
2: Amazingly. I mean, honestly, I mean, I want to say thank you to people for not just supporting on the zone. Again, the numbers were great on Saturday, sign ups, viewership, production was off the chart, but for turning up and coming back out after the pandemic because you look at our last three shows. Um, Leeds 20,000 at Headingley AJ nearly 70,000 at Spurs last Saturday 10,000 in Liverpool sold out we've got Sheffield coming up November 13 which we'll announce tomorrow it looks like that'll be banged out as well and it's it's so good to see people coming back in their numbers and the atmosphere on Saturday was brilliant and the show couldn't have been better and it's it's a great feeling when people are saying that was a, what an amazing show because ultimately that's how we're we're judged and Hopefully, we can keep delivering that on the zone.
1: Okay. Um, did you watch it?
2: Yeah, I did. What? And on fire fight? Yes. And amazing, honestly, I can't remember the last time I stayed up for a fight at that time. Because mostly, if I'm not doing a show, I want to get some sleep. And if I'm doing a show, then by two o'clock, you're just exhausted. And it came around. I watched the fight in the Hilton... And I was knackered, but it went on and on and on. And I mean, you, you were obviously there, so it's not as much of it, but it was interesting w- watching it as a spectator. Like I thought it'd be at four, then it was 4.30, then it was quarter to five. Then I think it was five o'clock, the, like the time it started. And I'm just sitting there sort of falling asleep. But listen, brilliant fight, brilliant fight. I mean, um, it was, I, I watched it with Nigel Ben actually and technically it was all over the shop but who cares I mean the drama was unbelievable Um, massive credit to both you've obviously been on the ground there doesn't seem that Wilder's given any credit the other way but is what it is they both do deserve credit but um, I just Fury's really good Wilder looked hypnotised before like in the ring before the fight and after two rounds he couldn't stand up Three rounds, like, again. And, obviously, he went down. After two or three rounds, like, he started the first round quite good, working the body nice, but he looked petrified and exhausted before the fight had even taken place. And this is the same thing that happened to him in the in the second fight. Um, And after three rounds, he couldn't stand up. And I thought, oh, this is it's all over now. Fury's just going to stop him. But then, obviously, come back with the equaliser, big right hand, knocked Fury down. Fury went over twice, and then I thought, oh, Wilder could turn it here. And then he came out the round after and sort of looked like he tried to take a round off. And then he exhausted himself again. But it was just nonstop, wasn't it? It was just full of drama. And I have to give Fury credit because he dug deep and he got the win. And it was brilliant for boxing, brilliant for the heavyweight division, because we, we need fights like that and we need nights like that. And everyone's talking about it. And people you know, get people say, oh, you're gutted, aren't you, that Fury won? No. I wanted him to win and even better if we get a fight like that where broadcasters, fans, media, the sport say this is a massive event. So you've got, you know, within the last three or four weeks, you've had two big heavyweight fights and that was right up there with what I think it's fight of the year so far. And it was one of the great heavyweight fights in the end. And you know, as I said, technically it was a bit all over the shop, but who cares? It was thrilling. And again, props to both guys, an honest massive congratulations to Fury because it was a great win
1: but uh, what now for for Wilder in your opinion Ed is it, it, in a difficult situation though isn't it? he uh, it'll still be in big fights I mean look
2: Yeah, I feel that Deontay Wilder's credibility before Saturday was was on the floor. Like I mean, one he'd came out and he got he got absolutely brutalized in the last fight and he was full of excuses. And I, I think his credibility was, was shot to pieces. Now, I think his credibility's gone through the roof because although he looked like he his tank was empty after two rounds, mate, he's stuck in there. I mean, in any normal situation, I feel like the corner would have pulled him out, but you know, with what happened last time, he's obviously they've had that conversation and said, "I ain't getting pulled out." So he could not even stand up, and he kept going. So he deserves a huge amount of credit. Whether he gives Fury the credit, whatever, but I'm just talking about. In the, my, I give him credit. I think fair play. You got, you got, you got bottle, and I think every fan gives people credit for that. I actually think Wilder is in a good position now. You know, these guys, the problem is with these, obviously we're coming through the pandemic, but they've had three fights. So, you look at it, and you say, Deontay Wilder has lost to one man in the last, how long has it been? Three years? Two and a half years this whole thing's been going on? Two years? Two two and a half years? you So you've you've only lost to one man and Tyson Fury's only beaten one heavyweight in the last two and a half years because they've had three fights. So, Wilder shouldn't be disheartened that his only defeat has come from Tyson Fury, he's a brilliant fighter, But I don't know how much he's going to want it, Wilder, after that, because he didn't look like, at times, you know, he'd sit on his stool, and he looked like, even after two rounds, three rounds, he was on his stool, like... So, I don't know whether... I just think Fury just got his number mentally, and he, he absolutely... Terrorizes him mentally and emotionally, and that's the only reason I can think why Wilder can't stand up after two rounds because Fury exhausts him, and he's th- so good at that, you know. Ed, can um, I, say- Go on. Go on.
1: I-, I? I spoke to Malik Scott. I don't to- know if it's Malik Scott, about yeah. that. About after two rounds, you know how comes he looked really kind of exhausted and tired. He said that that's just how he is. Like, he's like that, inspiring. That's how he is. This is what Malik Scott said to me today in an interview, that that isn't a gauge of his tiredness or exhaustion or whatever. I mean, I'm just letting you know what Malik Scott said. Yeah, but it's he he couldn't stand up. I mean, more than two,
2: I think three rounds, like what was worse, but his legs were gone after three rounds. And it was only his heart and his power that kept him in the fight. And obviously, it, Fury with a great shot. He went down twice. Second one was enough in knockdown, but Fury was still all over the place. And he, by the way, Fury showed great bottle and heart to come back in that round. But Wilder could not stand up. He was exhausted after three rounds. And that, that's not normal. That's not normal. You can't, you know, some, some heavyweights have got better tanks. Than, hey, Fury's tank's exceptional. Um, but that's, you know... You can't just say, oh, that's just how he is, because you can't have a championship fight at any kind of pace if you can't stand up after three rounds. But it was, like I said, his heart and his, his power kept him in the fire and, and, and nearly swung the fire at one stage. So you have to give him credit. And um, now that little spell, was it? when did he go down? Third round or fourth round, if I remember, and then Fury went there. That was a great couple of rounds. I mean, it was just all over the place, but unbelievable drama,
1: So, implications now. So this 30-day period is irrelevant, isn't it? Because you've exercised your uh, right for the rematch with Oleksandr Usyk. Ed?
2: Um, I think the situation's pretty clear, really. I mean, obviously, on Saturday, we all knew we were doing a rematch anyway, but on Saturday, we officially exercised that in writing. K2 came back and said, great. Let's get it on. Start planning for the rematch. Um, and Dillian White is the mandatory for Tyson Fury. And that will be called in 30 days' time. So, obviously, Dillian's got a massive fight coming up at the 0-2 against Otto Wilding. But he's you know he's a mandatory challenger for Tyson Fury. And um, it's a brilliant fight. Brilliant fight. I mean, I'd love to see Tyson fight back in the UK. I think he hasn't boxed in the UK for, I don't know, three years or more four years I don't know but it's just a huge fight for the division and you've got to give Dillian credit for going in you know obviously fought Pervec in before he had to come back and win that rematch um, now he goes in in another really tough fight against Otto Wallin and he's ready to make a statement on October 30th and, and move forward and fight Tyson Fury
1: so okay just give me a timeline of this so obviously Dillian's fight is in three weeks time so mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't like the right to be the man. It's not, this isn't applied to Otto.
2: No, 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 he's mandatory now. The main thing is, is they have to give Fury these 30 days is what, what they've said in their statement. They don't, they shouldn't do the 30 days because contractually Tyson Fury can't fight Alexander Usyk. Okay. So there's no point having that 30 days in my opinion, but it is what it is. And, but they should be ordering, and well, they should have ordered the Dillian White mandatory ages ago, but they should be ordering it now, really. But if we have to wait 30 days, then so be it. Um, and then, you know, Dillian get the job done at the O2.
1: Ed, lost you. Hello? Hello? Yeah, yeah. Gone. Is it my one?
2: Dylan monsons all right
1: gone all right. Yeah, carry on. Yeah,
2: and then we get a massive fight uh, between two Brits for, for the WBC and Ring Magazine title. So, I don't see why Tyson wouldn't want to fight Dylan White. It's a huge payday. It's a massive event. And then, you know, the winner of that fight can go and fight the winner of AJ against Usyk.
1: Give, give me another situation where that fight might not take place in regards to the belt. Like, could... Fury status change belt-wise? No, the, the WBC
2: statement was quite clear that the winner of Fury against Wilder has to fight the interim world champion. still in Wilder. Like, and Fury won't. If Fury becomes franchise champion, we can't do the undisputed fight. Yeah. So, but, and if AJ's fighting Usyk in February or March, Fury's going to take a fight. So who else is there? Mm. Not being funny, let's, like, as fans, we should be saying, we should be calling for that fight. Tyson Fury again. Yeah. Don't you think? Fury yeah. against White. Imagine the build-up. Imagine the fight. Does well over a million pay-per-view buys. Sells out a stadium. Right? It's huge. And Tyson Fury will, will believe he wins that fight. It's not like he's scared of Dillian White or anything like that. So, with AJ fighting Usyk, what other fight do you want to see Tyson Fury? Do you agree? I mean...
1: We'd love to see that fight. Love that is
2: it. the fight. That is the fight. So let's see it. And um, and then we can hopefully AJ beats Usyk. And then the winner of White against Fury fights the winner of that fight. It's pretty straightforward. Um, so, you know, another brilliant fight. Heavyweight division is on fire right now. I mean, we saw some decent fights on that undercard as well. I thought were quite exciting. Shout out to Kanaki for his balls in that fight. I mean, he got absolutely battered by hellenians He just wouldn't stop. Wouldn't stop, and um, also Frank Sanchez and Eddie Reynoso, good win. Plus, you had AJ against Usyk, then you had Fury against Wilder three. Now you've got Dillian White against Otto Wilder in, in in three weeks at the 0-2. It's a massive time for the division. So you know, I think it's exciting, and it's not it's not you know shouting anyone else. It just sounds pretty obvious, isn't it? Dillian White's your mandatory. It's a massive fight. It's the biggest fight out there for Tyson Fury right now, away from AJ Nielsen. By a mile. So let's get it on.
1: One more question about that. When that is called, but should might obviously come through that auto fight. What is the time period that that fight has to take place in?
2: That's to be determined. It's the next fight. Okay. It's the next fight. So it'll be, normally it's 90 days from purse bids. So, but I don't think we need a purse. I think we can get a deal done with that fight. Um you know we 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 don't have the problem anymore of sky b t won't you know, or what's the big drive we just wherever that fight makes sense we can move forward obviously the zone globally you've got b t as well and what i mean it's 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 a it's a brilliant fight so let's let's get the job done at the o two uh, on october thirtieth and move forward and make another brilliant heavyweight fight
1: um tifima Lopez and uh, george Cambosa What's the likely date for that, Ed? And where? That's, that's his...
2: I've seen November the 13th. That's that's not the date for that fight because you've got Mungir against Rosado on the zone that night. So um, we are waiting for an official letter. We've been told by the IBF you have that fight. Um, they had a board meeting at the end of last week and the official paperwork will go out today. We will have whatever they give us to make the fight, 14 days, as in to give them the date for that fight. We will probably have... 90 days to make the fight which we're not interested in using we want to get that fight out there as soon as possible you know i spoke to tfimo's father and bob Aram and said look could you do it before the birth of his child sorry but we'll do our best but ultimately we don't have to do that and we, we will try but you know ultimately this fight is happening before the middle of december Right, that's that's the best I can give you at the moment.
1: In New York, at Madison Square.
2: Most m- most likely in New York. Whether we can get the availability is another thing. And and the other problem at the moment is obviously Saturdays. You know, we want to do this fight on a Saturday? It's a huge fight for the zone, big fight for boxing. And really, when you look at the Saturdays, you know, November the thirteenth is Munguia. Um, November the twentieth is Porter. Against uh, Crawford. November the 27th is Thanksgiving weekend. I've seen rumors about Ryan Garcia going that weekend. And then you've got the 4th and the 11th of December. Now, the 11th is supposed to be Lomachenko, but that's okay. We'd go up against that. The 4th, I think he's free at the moment. Javonta Davis goes on the 5th, but Devin Haney is supposed to be going on the 4th. So, you know, when you look at that run coming up on the zone, you've got Mikey Garcia this weekend, you've got Mungir against Rosado. You've got our world championship triple header with Demetrius Andre, Nak Madaliev, and Julio Cesar Martinez, and Cali Reese. Then you've got what looks like a Ryan Garcia date, I guess they'll announce soon. Then you've got Devin Haney's fight, which will be announced soon. You've got Lopez against Cambosas. This is an unbelievable run coming up. We've just got to get the scheduling right, and, and we plan to do that this week. By the end of this week, we will have a date and venue confirmed for TFBMO Lopez, and we will do everything we can to work around you know, the, the team's requests. But ultimately, it needs to work for, for us and our broadcaster and 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 building the right fight. You know, I said to uh, Tio's dad, we're going to show you an event you've never seen before. So give us the opportunity to do that.
1: Your, your show you're going to announce in Sheffield, uh, we're assuming this is to do with Kid Galahad, yes? Yes,
2: yeah. Kid Galahad will headline that first defence. Co-main event with Terry Harper, back to the ring after being over a year out. Um, Chris Billham-Smith will also defend his European title on the card uh, Hopi Price big fight for Dante Dixon as well Lo- loads of other fights to be added on that card and we'll announce that probably tomorrow but Wednesday at the latest so Sheffield November 13th book it in the diary and tickets will be announced this week
1: How many UK shows have you got left in the year? We're doing November the 13th
2: and we're doing December the 18th so there are two U- left in the year Two more, two well, sorry, three more with, with Dillian White. Oh,
1: Dillian White, sorry, sorry. Three yeah,
2: so, we've got October 30th, Dillian White against Walin, November 13th, Keith Galahad in Sheffield, December 18th, um, with Chisora against Parker, plus mixed in with Garcia, Demetrius Andre. Show I'm talking about for DAZN customers, Jamie Mungia, Ryan Garcia show, Teofimo Lopez against George Cambosas, Devin Haney, etc. So, yeah, I think. I think we've got another, plus Italy and Spain, like three, 12 shows to go before the end of the year, something like that, and Mexico as well. So. What
1: are you looking at for Devin Haney?
2: Well, we've got the 4th and the 11th, the two the, the Saturdays, effectively, in in uh, December. Devin Haney was supposed to go on the 4th. We just want to work out, we'd love to go Lopez, Garcia, Haney, or haney but well, Those three, we'd love to go back-to-back over the three weeks, because it's the cream of the lightweight division. So, again, just got to sort the and make it most effective as possible for our broadcaster.
1: Is your card done now for the 30th? Have you got to add anything to that?
2: No, 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 no. We've got, we got three three or four fights still to be added, or more, I think. Five fights will be announced this week for October 30th.
1: Okay. And 18th, when are you announcing the rest of that card? December.
2: For December? Well, you got we've got 10 weeks to go. So I would say that card... That card will blow your mind December 18th Um, and that will be announced probably realistically next week, I think, the full card and we'll go on sale as well. The key this week is get Sheffield up and running, finalise October 30th card and then we'll move on to finalise December 18th and make an announcement on that card as well.
1: Okay, Um, so you're off to Fresno this week?
2: On Wednesday, yeah. Mikey Garcia... Uh, Soto against Gonzalez. Brock Jarvis, our U- Australian superstar. Uh, Jesse Rodriguez, Diego Pacheco, Mark Castro, Kelly you Big fight out there, outdoors. And then next week, we've got a week off. No show. You look over the moon.
1: Okay. Well, listen, you're going to be a write-off this week. mate I'm I'm in Newcastle this week. What for? Especially. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you're going to be tired mate you're going to be tired I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll mate um, well listen I appreciate your time this morning alright mate thank you very much And thank you I'll all you thank next. you for your support
2: thank you for coming to Liverpool on Saturday not you uh, and thank you for um, tuning in we're, we're on we're on great momentum so is boxing keep supporting all boxing and we'll see you very soon
1: Eddie Hearn, thank you very much for talking to IFL TV. And uh, yeah, Razza will be in Fresno. He'll catch up with you there. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill in association with Lonsdale MTK Global.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.